Greetings and welcome to the show. My guest today is Rob Holt, the owner and operator of Voicebox VO. Voicebox VO is a studio right outside of Philadelphia that is dedicated to the art and business of voiceover. Rob has been in the business for a very long time, has a great story, has tons of stories to share, and really helps get inside the world of what it takes to be successful or just to even jump into the world of voice acting. Uh, He recorded my voiceover demo, he taught a couple of classes that I took, and he has continued to be a great resource for any question you might have on equipment to setting up your own home studio. So, ladies and gentlemen, Rob Holt. Recording in progress. I, o- those, I almost got it exactly. <laughs> those uh, those weird robot sounds, especially on social media, where you have the uh, the subtitles are read by a robot, and every now and then my girlfriend will send me a reel on Instagram. And when I hear that fake robot female voice, I don't want to watch the video anymore. And it's because it's just so omnipresent and banal that like, there's a better way to do this. Also, I mean, I'm, I'm completely, I've been completely destroyed and spoiled by filmmaking where I can craft everything to how I want it to be. And it's hard for me to be a passive listener anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So when something is like, anytime you get mass media that fits into a formula, I immediately, my brain wants to tune out because it's like, I've heard this before. The content might be different, but the vehicle is so similar that I'm bored already. And that becomes difficult. I mean, first world problems, right? But uh, it just, <laughs> yeah. it's, it gets really tedious when everything is in the same mold over and over and over again. And yeah. Robert be watching this vine and being all like, exactly that feeling when yeah uh, (laughs) have you ever heard i forget his name but he does a white girl's instagram it's a song he's like this funny songwriter guy no oh man it's really good i'm writing i've got my notepad right here i'm gonna write down really good i just saw it last i just saw it last day yesterday um (laughs) it's funny because i was looking up flight of the concords and then i came across this british guy who plays piano and is amazing i don't even know if he's british actually um and then and then this other guy and because someone said in the comments, can these three people like make an album already? And uh, but it's like from what you're talking about, you will you will find that to be a, a very funny video. OK. Sure. Yeah. It's so, done in such a nice, classy way, too. It's so it's family friendly is what you're saying. Yeah. Heck yeah. And respectful. Uh, of all the yeah. Poor, yeah. Yeah. The poor and especially when you're a Instagram. filmmaker like. Like I often describe to my students sometimes when we're working on a script, some sort of scene or something, I'll be like, this is more cinematic. This is more like, you know, and for me, cinematic means stripped away, not smacking you in the face with obvious, you know, like it's it's it has it's it's more aired out. There's more pauses. There's more of a an aesthetic to the piece. You Maybe know? more more beats to work with in a performance. Definitely more beats, more yeah. beats than Dr. Dre. You know, um, <laughs> but <laughs> I was writing a script today because after this I'll be coaching my my eleven uh, year old student, and I don't know she I don't have a lot of kids that I've been coaching, so she's been a bit, a bit of a muse for my script writing because I don't I don't usually write for a young person, you know, and um, and I was definitely writing a bunch of beats in this 
this scene and I'm having one of my other students uh, actually jump into this session and be the mom. And she's, so it's like a daughter and a mom, you know? So is it a, is it, was that like a narration demo? Is it an acting class? Like what is a, it's just, I'm private coaching, a you know, this girl, Zoe, who was, who was 10 when we started and now she's 11. Um, we've had over 50 sessions and, and she's really wow. grown a lot as an actor. And, um, so for, for the listeners, um, there's a couple, I think, uh, voice box vo you said you've been in business for 10 years it it was 10 years um it i think it's 11 years now now it's march i think officially it's may though so this may it'll be 11 years okay and how much so when you first started off tell me a little bit about where you started with casting and voiceover and media performance um before you went into business for yourself like how did that get started okay so in the and year you can go two, back as far as you want. If you want to go back to childhood when you stumbled across a microphone in the wilderness, please like start yeah. there. 4.6 billion years ago, the earth was collided. We collided with a, the earth was a roiling, it, it, there was an earth. Um, and then eventually I came along. I mean, stuff happened in between then and now, but that's, you know, not really important. Um, but then I came along and, and that's when life really started to get good for me at least. But um, so going back to the year 2000 i was working in a marketing company in like a marketing firm in king of prussia i was going to school for computer programming and uh two of the guys that had left this marketing firm and started their own um, little agency they got an interview for me at this place that was down in philly uh that needed like a an IT guy, a computer guy. <laughs> and um, they were, and it, it was, it was uh, Mike Lemon casting. And um, in 2000, uh, Mike Lemon had uh, with Diane Heary, they, they, they had, they had cast the, um, the film Unbreakable, the Night Shyamalan film. And so I remember getting, getting this computer job and being like, oh, I didn't know the first thing about actors or acting or anything. It's totally not my world. A lifelong musician, I know that world. And it's similar to acting, but I didn't hang out with any actors. Was way too shy to be in a school play or something, kind of a nut myself, but never thought of acting. And so I was like, I remember being at the premiere of Unbreakable and being like, cool, man, my new job's great. It's like actors and acting, cool. I'm going to movie premieres, that's kind of cool. And then... Uh, some like in those early days, I think having, you know, having a younger voice for my age and having an outgoing personality and being, you know, kind of a, a nut and doing voices and stuff, they they started throwing me into voiceover auditions. And looking back, Robert, I, I you know, I was I was filler, I think, you know, back then, if, if you're looking for a teen voice and you have to fill like four hours, you know, with. Teen, with authentic real teen voices it's what hard to like find a, like a quota of the amount of people they want to audition like they want like we want to listen to four hours of teen right. voices to feel like we've actually cast a wide enough they want like 20 to 25 people you okay. know all right if it's a, if it's a short enough piece so hold on a little sip of tea i've been i i, I took I, i've started taking singing lessons and i speak a lot during the day with my business you know i'm either directing or coaching or something and so I've been spending a lot of my vocal budget every day trying to trying to do all this talking and then trying to sing on top of it. Did you do a vocal warm up before you uh, signed into the Zoom uh, room? 
Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, ti, la, sol, fa, mi, re, do. Um, I was off on a lot of those notes, but. Do, mi, sol, mi, do. But you're ready now. All right. I've done the vocal <laughs> warm up now. There it is. Um, and so. Uh, you're a filler team. Getting voice. back to my. Yeah. So I got thrown in these voiceover auditions and it was pretty much like. Here's a script. This is what the spot is for. Just, you know, read the script, but make it sound like it's you, you know, and 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 I didn't, you know, I got very few pointers, but a couple of really handy pointers from the casting director at the time. And then um, I remember being out in my car and just like, oh, shoot, I got to I got to learn this. I got to do this script really good and like going over it again and again. And then uh, but lo and behold, I started booking like like occasional voice work just right out of there. Uh, and, uh, you know, looking back, I've been acting my whole life and just not calling it acting, you know, I'm always reciting movie dialogue, like, or, or TV show dialogue, like both parts while I'm by myself in the car driving along, you know, or my, my friends and my brothers and I, we always did voices growing up or made fun of our teachers that had the Philly accent and that sort of thing. Yo, you guys cut it out. I told you a hundred times, take it out in the street. If you're going to fight over that ice cream cone, you know, that sort of thing. Get out of the water. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go get some bagels at the Acme and eat them down by the creek. You know, down by the water. Um, and so, because uh, it's a beautiful day. Um, and so, I enjoyed a handful of voiceover gigs. You know, throughout the early two thousands, and then in two thousand, I'd always too during that time, at Mike's during the you know at least during those days it was like, if you were good at something. You just got thrown in the mix. I ran, uh, I can't tell you how many on-camera sessions, even though I became the voiceover, I'm getting ahead of myself, but, you know, I, I, if you were good at something and you were a quick study, you just did a lot. So I was always filling in for the um, the current, you know, or the, the, the previous voice casting director when they weren't there, if they needed someone to run the studio and that sort of thing. Because lifelong musician, been used, used to being in, in studios. So that part was easy. And so in 2003, there was an opening... And Mike offered me the job of voiceover casting director. And that really started the whole, like, okay, I really am like a professional in uh, in production now. And and when I say professional, uh, by title only, I would imagine, because, man, I, 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 did I bumble along for those first couple years. I mean, you're basically, as a casting director, you're basically an account exec on one hand. You know, you deal with a lot of actors and you have to be a director, and kind of. So you have to be, one, you know, a producer in some ways. Uh, you have to kind of be really good with remembering people and and have this innate ability to sort of just know what person or what voice, what what actor, what what look fits what a client's looking for. But then you have to be an account exec on the other hand, handling the clients, taking the intake of the job, managing the client's expectations, you know, uh, delivering stuff on time, invoicing them. All of that stuff is, is you know, I had to learn. Um, but, I mean, Mike's... Back then, it was that was the top place in Philly. Um, Diane Heary was there at the time. She worked for Mike, you know, and, and we sh we shared an office for three years or so. So they, they didn't have any place to put me. So before I became a casting director, I I, I was in with Diane doing all the, the film and TV stuff, um, and yeah, uh, you know, she was doing it with interns and and uh, and other people that worked there, and I was kind of just doing my computer thing and just being like, wow, you guys are super busy. You wait. You guys didn't go home last night. Nope. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, nice. you know? um, 
And so uh, then, you know, uh, since 2003 up until now, I mean, it's like I've been working on cast. I've, I've cast voice projects regularly since then. And back in the early days, I was super busy. It's the biggest, biggest shop in town. The, the industry was different back then. So there, a lot of the work went through casting. Uh, in voiceover, a lot of the work now is spread throughout the production community. Uh, and and I, I can I can speak to that in a second. But um, so, I mean, there was times I remember I was like, I'm working on like 10 different voiceover jobs at once. You know, it's, it was it was crazy. But I really cut my teeth. You know, it was, it, I was there 10 years. And, and for and for seven of those years, I was super busy casting, you know, and so hundreds of jobs and just tons of great experience there working with amazing people. Um, and then when I got out on my, you know, in 2011, the, the bottom fell out. Uh, Diane had left, um, had left and started her own, you know, her own casting company. Uh, forget what the timeline was that. Was that 2005, 2006, somewhere in there, maybe? Um, and, uh, and, you know, she's really good at what she does. <laughs> that's, that's why she's I, intense he, too. I've met her a couple of times through you actually. And I mean, it's just, she, every person, well, every time I met her, she was like sizing me up, asking me questions to see if like I, she could use me. And I remember one time shaking her hand going up and she said, Oh, you're an actor. And I just went, uh, voice. And then she looked a little crestfallen. And I'm like, wait, was she looking for someone who looked like me? Like, did I just miss out on an opportunity? Because it was, yeah. When you do that kind of casting, you're always open to options as far as like, because things land in your lap and all of a sudden you need this one type, you know, and, and mm -hmm. you're just like scrambling, you know? It's funny because I, I I definitely know that Diane and, and, and uh, probably Jason to some extent, um, like, have this reputation of being kind of stern and sort of stoic and sort of, you know, like very, very business. But, you know, I, there's definitely another side to both of those guys. And, and oh, sure. it's like, it's like, I try to tell people, it's like, when you see them, they're in the weeds, they are busy and they don't have time. And there's, it, and it's, it might not be you, uh, current actor I'm explaining this to, but it's like, there are people in our business, actors that, like they want to take all day. They want to make this about themselves. They're like trying to push some other agenda. They're trying to make themselves famous and a name for themselves. And it's like, dude, I got to get you in and out in 10 minutes and be on to the next person or this lobby is going to be even more packed than it is now, you know? And so there's some of that, you know, that's, and then, and then the actors only ever see casting people when they're like that and are like, <laughs> and are like you know, right. oh, wow, they're so like, they're so like sh quick with me and everything. It's like, yeah, because I'm, I'm getting my ass kicked. Thank you. Thank you for coming. But yeah, yeah, please hurry. Uh, and so in 2011, I think through c competition and, and through other forces, um, the bottom had was falling out at Mike's, you know, like the, he could no longer sustain the business and. And uh, that was the part in my story where there was, you know, this the, the musical montage would have happened, I suppose, you know, in my movie. And uh, Mike had piano said, music that yeah, you yeah, exactly. Out the door, right? Dun, 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 dun. Um, and, uh, you know, Mike had said to me, hey, you know, take this thing you've built and, and make it your own, put your own name on it. 
either way, you, you don't have a job here. So, um, yeah, <laughs> so, sorry about that, buddy. But, um, you know, ha having Mike's blessing was great. It was, it was, it was somewhat empowering, even though I was like kind of mourning the loss of my job and that business that I'd worked really hard for. And also didn't know what the hell I was doing as a business owner, for sure. I had no business going into business. Have I said business enough? Um, and so, you know, Robert, I was, I had, I had two options run uh, to the bottom of a corporate ladder somewhere and, you know, or, or at least in my mind, that was my one option or um, taking this thing I had worked in for 10 years and making it my own. And so that's what I did. I, I, uh, I started VoiceBox and, you know, just incorporated. And in the beginning, I was working out of my sister-in-law's basement. You Were you there? You were probably yeah, there, you know? Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. I remember thinking, am I like, in the right place? Am I, I know, I know. People would walk up that driveway and be like, I'm going to a house. What's happening? You know, and then they would... Uh, then they would get down into the into the studio part and be like, "Oh, this is nice." Oh, like every time, like like, "Oh, the, I, this isn't some fly by night thing." I see, you know, uh, humble beginnings for sure. But I mean, I was still like doing like you know recording voiceovers for like TV shows and stuff like down in that basement. <laughs> That's one of the great things about voiceover; it's so portable, you know, mm -hmm. to to record. Um, and uh, but that I think in 2011 when I started VoiceBox that began this sort of like journey of me helping actors, like helping people who want to be actors, voice actors to become voice actors, you know, slowly and surely we start, I remember sitting and looking around the room in my sister-in-law's basement at that first night of our first voiceover class and being like, and seeing 10 people there and bright eyed and bushy tailed and just being like, Oh my God, they actually came. They actually came. This is, this is going to work out. And then, you know, over the last 10 years, we've really, we've really, and when I say we, I just mean, you know, my small team and I, but we, we've, we've really shaped the training into something that's certainly unique and, and certainly effective for sure. Because I, I'm very, prof you know, I've had the profound feeling, especially in the last two or three years that. I really am building the next wave of voice actors out of this area, you know, and, and now they're not necessarily tied to this area. They could be anywhere, but I really am. There's, there's so many of my students are just out there kicking ass and getting these jobs. One, one of my students, like, you know, Chris, right? My engineer guy. Did you, did you ever meet Chris, my engineer? Chris, did he do the E-bombs world um, kind of comedy voiceovers? I don't think so. No, he's okay, just an, maybe he, I didn't meet Chris. So that's another part of my story that's kind of significant. Is that? Pardon me, tea break. <laughs> now, when I when I took your classes, it was um, it was you, Sandy, Neil, and Ruth. Yeah, Ruth moved to Florida. Good for her. Uh, gave me gave me like a week's notice before she was about to teach, and it's like, oh, oh thanks, man. that's good, that's good. Um. I brought on Sharon Geller, who is another local actress, voice actress. She also teaches improv at the Walnut Street Theater. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, she's been on Saturday Night Live like four times. You know, like someone who's a serious actor, um, but also has a teaching background, like Neil. Um, and um, Sandy retired like a year ago, 
And so, on my own, with no one there to guide me, uh, it was the right time. And, and um, you know, it was her decision. And I was like, cool, I'm ready to rock this thing, like the parts that you handle on, on my own. Totally ready to do it. So and, what was uh, the transition like between you're going from just casting things and doing voiceover to being a mentor and being an acting coach to a degree, because every class I took with you, one of the things I really appreciated is that it was always focusing on the performance, always focusing on who's the audience, not, hey, you've got a nice timbre to your voice and there's a microphone in front of you, which is what I think a lot of people get into voiceover thinking. And having you there as this buffer of managing the expectations, but still kind of encouraging us to really continue moving forward and not to give up, even if we're not booking gigs, was huge for me. Uh, what was that transition like just be, yeah, from becoming a mentor going into it's that? It's interesting. You know, there's been so many parts of this journey that are almost imperceivable until you look back, you know, like the day to day movement of them is so small. It's, it's just to see how big things have gotten in certain ways and how much I've grown doing the things I need to do. It's like, wow, you look back and you go, I really have come a long way. But as you're walking that path, it doesn't look like some sometimes it doesn't seem like you're moving at all. So, I mean, I started teaching more when I started VoiceBox in 2011. I had taught for Mike Lemon and, and done a couple classes there, but um. You know, it was like, okay, now we're really bringing this experience. So the classes you, in, you you know, participated in, it's like a day in and day out, I, find, I found myself like kind of just being more and more steeped in the, in the day in and day out struggles of, of, of people learning the craft and then taking that and trying to make a career out of this thing, you know? So, so uh, it was slow for sure. It was like bit by bit, this transition. I just always wanted to help people and just found myself. I never took voice box, voice box like as a business to be like this thing that always has to generate money, you know, to do anything like the, the bottom line before any uh, makes drives all decisions. It, there are there's definitely a lot of giving I do, but but I know that giving is a fundamental law of our universe and in, in order to live in a balanced sort of way and, and, and receive abundance, you have to be giving. I mean, that's just the way of things, but it wasn't because of that, but I just, you know, I, I'd, I'd help people here and there. It was like, you know, back in, in, in the middle days towards the later days of Mike Lemons, uh, I was, it was like, Hey, I need a voice demo. Do you do that? Well, I don't know. I've been recording myself since I was a teenager, you know, in music and, and I have a good ear for music. And, and so, and I record voiceovers all the time. So I started producing demos and like the way that has changed now, oh my God, man. Like I have a Grammy winning engineer, career guy who engineers the stuff. We have, you know, he's got the tens of thousands of dollars worth of gear. So the production is top notch. Um, and I write all the scripts now. And all of them. We, do you have people bring in material that they want to read or do you just not, do it I mean, all? if they do, they can, but usually I just write the whole thing. You know, not not if it's like a pharmaceutical, you know, an, an important safety information from a, for a drug or something. I will like, right. you know, I'll take stuff 
a lot of the narration things are like, I'm not that good as a copywriter. I can write commercials all day, but you know, for narration stuff that's very industry specific, very business driven to that business, I want it to be the real stuff. So I'll find stuff out on the, in the internet, on the internet, or or, um, or maybe there's you know something from a script on a job I worked on a long time ago that I can take and sort of judge into something else, that sort of thing. But each demo is really just crafted around this specific actor in that way, and and uh, that took. We're still Chris and I are still learning this progress. Chris and I have been working together, by the way, for seven years. So seven years ago, I decided I didn't want to do any more engineering, um, at least not all of the engineering. So I reached out to, he was a guy I knew, he, he was the audio guy at an ad agency that I had worked with the whole time I was, uh, I was at Mike Lemons and continued on through Voicebox. And, and I would just, very rarely does the universe ever go, hey, uh, th that first choice, that thing you just went, eh, I'm just going to wing it and choose that. It, that ends up being the best. Yeah, that's the, that was the best option. Usually that doesn't happen, but it ended up, you know, Chris was a, was an, uh, he, he was a profound sort of, uh, you know, wingman for me in, in so many ways. We, we teach the, uh, my advanced class together now. So it's like two of us, it's a two on five, you know? And so, um, we produce all the demos together. He does all my recording for all the productions and stuff like that. So, um, nice. we've carved a lot of creative paths together and there's been times where we, when we had, in, we used to have in-person classes and there'd be times where the, everyone's walking out after class. Cause we did the advanced class at his studio and I'd be like, all right, dude, I'll see. Hey. And he'd be like, Hey, can you hang back? And I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> like the teacher asking you to stay after class or something, you know? And he's just like, you know, and he would, he would hold up a mirror to me sometimes and be like, you know, things that needed improvement or, or like, you know, things I would talk about in class that he'd be like, dude, you don't need to tell him that. You're like this dude, man. You're, you know, you're, you're this cat. You're, you do this. You don't have to like, you know, qualify yourself to them. They already know, you know, stuff like that. He, you know, I, I kind of made this whole thing up. I got, I got thrown in the mix at Mike's and then I started my own business. So it was really great having someone in the industry who had been in the industry longer than I have telling me what I, you know, showing me what was good about what I did and, and what needed work and that sort of thing. That was really important, you know? Um, and so it, it, it kind of helped me really own the, the, according to my guy, Chris, he's, he's never worked with a director who can get out of people what I can get out of. And, you know, I would never know that, that I have that. Or he was the person who recognized that I was like, I, I, um, that I was excellent at, at being a music supervisor. And I, I didn't even know that was a thing, but I, he has since looped me into certain projects that he's working on with his clients. And I get paid just to find the music for stuff sometimes. Nice. Because I have this freakish skill of finding the right music track. Which works really great for the demos, of course, you know? Yeah, you know, I was listening to my, uh, the demos I recorded with you the other day, right after I reached out to you. And my narration demo still sounds pretty good. I mean, uh, dude, <laughs> I, I listen think... to the old ones too, and I go, hey man, not for nothing, you know? <laughs> I can hear in one of the reads I did a lack of confidence. But in a couple of the other reads, I was, I, listening to it i went okay yeah I, I sort of knew what i was doing at that point and it was really cool how when i did the demo with you you found the things that i was already interested in and then managed to craft around that because right i mean forcing people 
one of the biggest hurdles that I had when I first came to you, and it's, I think I came to you guys in 2012, if I remember correctly, it's like right, it must've been right when you started the business pretty soon after at the very least. Yeah. Uh, but I had a feeling that I didn't, that I wanted to be involved in the arts and I wanted to be involved in performance. And enough people told me they liked my voice to where I thought, you know, I need to give this a shot. And so I just walked in there, not really knowing what I was going to do. And then through that process of taking all the classes, I learned almost how to get out of my own way and then jump into the characters, especially with, with Neil's character actor class or character voice class was like, man, that was a mind blowing experience, but also not, not focusing on the quality of my voice and focusing on the performance and the emotive element. And, and, and I, I'm telling you, like, it's, so many people would come up to me if I told them, oh, you know, I did, I did this voiceover or because before I came to you, I was reading books on tape for private use. So there was a man out in the main line who wanted to be a film producer and he didn't feel like reading all the books. So he would just give me a stack of books every month and I would read them. So I would, I would work a breakfast wow. and lunch shift in Rittenhouse Square, come home, take a shower, and then I'd read for three hours every night and then send them off to this guy to listen to. Did that for a year so i read 50 books about filmmaking which was great because it was subject matter i cared about yeah and then i and then i told him okay oh. this material is getting repetitive i don't want to do it anymore and then he offered to double my hourly rate and i was son of a gun i could have been making way more money <laughs> but, it, but it was a valuable lesson for one and the uh it was quite a compliment to hear someone say oh you could do this professionally but uh, yeah, so did you hire, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm going back eight years now. Um, so you're filling in, okay, let me back up just one second. The voiceover industry breaks into different categories. So you've got commercial spots, you've got cartoon voices, you've got narration, you've got pharmaceutical ads, you've got all these different things. Can you delineate what the different avenues are and how you actually get people prepared to work within those different styles. I mean, I think part of the training early on is to try out as much as you can to see where you're going to, you know, where you want to fit. And you can always, you can always cross genres, you know? And, and, uh, so it's so let's see it's kind of vast as you know it's hard to it's hard to break it down because the way i see it i mean there are two there's like kind of two brothers or two a brother and a sister and their cousin <laughs> it's like there's commercial work there's narration what we call industrial narration and then there's audiobooks you know but you know there's actually other cousins now too thanks to technology and the way this whole thing has been playing out. So, I mean, now we have like radio plays on the internet, you know, those, those like kind of audio, audio plays, you know, and then, um, you know, role player games are, are really big and people are recording their, their RPGs, you know, and, and that sort of thing. So it's like the YouTube revolution has brought even more avenues of voiceover happening. And, I, and I've seen that with my students when they get out there and start booking work. It's like, yeah, I'm this character in this thing. I, I got something from a guy I've, I've worked with a bunch. Um, and 
he's it's like a it's like a drama based on a video game where they play the video game but then they change the voiceover to make a story out of it you know kind of so like okay. you're using video game play as like the footage for your film and then you're creating the the dialogue behind it oh wow almost like when they those people used to uh take video of halo footage and then they'd add voices to it and make it i think narrative. that's it I that think that's what thing. I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, oh. Blue, I forget I what this was called. Red or something Th like this that. This is or? a diff. This is a different game, but um, okay. and it was really good. I mean, the production was good and everything, and I was, I was like, wow, this this did not exist 20 years ago. <laughs> you know, it couldn't have. But so, so, but let's let's go back to the the main types at least. Uh, so you know, commercials pretty self-explanatory. We have all well, and then there's animation too, right? I mean, I didn't even mention that, which is a whole other arm of this thing i want to say if we start with animation outside of a few projects that are just animated around these parts i mean i think mostly we're talking i mean funimation is in texas right they're somewhere in, in texas and 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 probably it's like a texas orlando la kind of party with with like where the geographically where this stuff happens mm -hmm. um but i do have students who have a pretty solid resume and they just do characters like animation characters. So, um, so that is, that is a growing part of this for sure. Um, that's, I think the part that's accessible to voice actors now is growing because before it's like your animation option was like being Homer Simpson or something, you know, like some major right. broadcast network kind of thing. Whereas now there are startup game companies and, uh, and, you know, other sort of animation driven things on either on YouTube or wherever where it's it's work that's there for a voice actor that, that is much, much more accessible than having to try to land something at Cartoon Network in L.A. You know, I mean, that's right. So if you had to be in L.A. and have representation to even get that opportunity before. Yeah. I mean, when I started this in, in you know, when I was when I started even in 2003, it was like the voice the the um or rather the casting directors were much more the gatekeepers of this whole thing it was like the, the uh, any producer production house any ad agency all the all the audio studios themselves you know they all came through a casting director in one way or another um and so we were like the gatekeepers to the whole thing if you weren't in with casting you weren't in really and then i think you know robert it was it was the uh if I had to guess, at least, it was the switch from CDs to MP3s that started where we are now, where it's like, you know, I noticed the clients sort of dropping off here and there. And it was like they, they started coming to the realization that, hey, wait a minute, we don't have to pay Rob Holt to keep a folder of MP3s and send them to us to send to a client when we need a certain type of voice. We could just keep the MP3s on our computer. Mm hmm. And charge the client for casting. <laughs> and so, you know, when I'm casting these days, it's like usually something tricky that they need, you know, or they have something that's so large in scope, they just don't want to mess with it. Mm -hmm. But but to to book a, you know, 30s to 50s announcer type or whatever. No, they they just have their roster of people. Any production house has their roster of people. Plus, they can go on 
any sort of web service. They can go on Voices.com or Voice123, that sort of thing. So, you know, it's like it's really shifted for a voice actor, the, the industry. It's shifted very dynamically as far as when going from you had to get in with the casting directors to now there are so many more doors to knock on because anyone who's in production or an ad agency or or um, or or even has a studio use they hire voice actors and it's like so you can you, if it doesn't work with this one production you're dealing direct with the people that are making the projects you know as opposed to the intermediary and so for me as casting it worked out good because I'm not so busy with casting that I can't really focus on the training which I'm doing so I get a you know I get a handful of really nice voiceover gigs for people over the over the uh, course of a year and and um, I leave it at that and then I have all that time left to really do the the main work of this company which is to create voice actors and to help them make their way out in the world that sort of thing so, so the... anyway I didn't finish your question though. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> I don't know if it matters no There's I a think lot. that uh, no you you throughout that answer you answered the question which is basically to try a bunch of things and see what you're good at and then practice what you're good at and then audition is really how you have to do things i yeah. mean like you, i remember trying really hard to do a commercial ah what was it i can't remember what it was but the person directing me did not have a clear idea of what they wanted and I kept asking questions about how they wanted certain things, like what flavor they wanted, what angle, what kind of energy. And they just kept me to keep, they kept telling me to keep doing takes. And I left that session feeling really defeated. And then I listened to the spot later and I, I you know, I'm a big critic of my own work, felt horrible about the whole thing. And just, and I've never used it on my, on my reel or as a, hey, check out what work yeah. I can do because I was so embarrassed. Um, but now, like the latest one I sent you was a, a friend of mine in LA worked for a company and he said, Hey, we need someone to do this. Would you mind throwing a demo our way? Like just do a read. And so I did. And then they, they, uh, they, they picked someone else and then weren't happy with it. And then came back to me and said, Hey, can you, uh, would you mind coming in? And so I just, I just set up and recorded from where I'm sitting right now. And even the direction I got for that violated some of the rules you taught me, which was really funny because you taught me don't ever finish a sentence in an ad on a down note. And that's what I kept getting for the direction. And I thought if I'm trying to get people excited about buying this product, shouldn't I be coming upward, you know, or at least staying level? It was really it interesting. Depends on the context too. Like melody is kind of line specific, line by line specific, but but and, yeah. and I think that like it was also weird to get a note that was focusing on inflection, and because I don't often get notes like that. It's probably yeah, it, it would probably be interested to be directed by me now because I've I've spent countless hours and hours and hours and hours directing, you know, and I've learned so much in the last, you know, the last ten years. It's just been amazing, like how much I've learned. So I, I'm a totally, probably a different director. Like I, I was always effective, but I've just learned different things. You know, I've seen shit now, mm -hmm. you know, even more. So um, that commercial was good though. And it's it's like, what's with you and the men 
care products, man. Okay, but you started this whole thing. I need you to take a little bit of responsibility, Rob, because yeah, you got me a no, actually, you didn't. You got me the second one, which was a Norelco ad. And then the first one was a, a beard moisturizer. And then this one was a men's um, skincare thing. And you got you got to keep the biome, the skin biome. Good, right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I did. The funny thing is, is that I went to film school and I got my degree and I hadn't done any that last the one voiceover I just mentioned that I, I felt really bad about just because I, I, I felt like it was a horrible performance. I kind of stopped auditioning. Like I was doing the voice one, two, three auditions pretty regularly. Wasn't really booking anything and was really frustrated. And then also realized I, I want to be a filmmaker more than I want to be an actor and yeah. then applied to film school again and then got in. So then it was, you know, pedal to the metal. You're learning, you know, screenwriting, filmmaking, editing, the whole nine. But during that time, people kept asking me, to read stuff for them. So it'd be like, Hey, I got the screenplay thing. You have a good voice. Would you read for it? Or, Hey, can you do a voiceover for this phone call coming from a cop? You sound tough. Or, Hey, can you do? And so it, I kept falling into it anyway, which I always got a kick out of. And then I started doing a podcast and I just really like being behind a microphone. Yeah. So now if someone calls me up and says, Hey, would you do this? I, I, I'm just, yeah, sure. So it's, it's like a weird, I never intended for it to be something I do on the side but I really do enjoy doing it. And it's just funny because you told me eight years ago, if you keep working on it, eventually, and, and you're good at it and you take care of it, there's going to be an intersection of demand and your skills if you just keep showing up. So keep showing up. And so here I am, you know, eight years later, continuing to show up. And it's just, it's just so funny how that, um, how that kind of worked out. I know. But also, yeah. it, it, the other thing too, is that, you also taught me you have to have your own studio and with the equipment and the soundproofing and all of that stuff. So can you talk a little bit about what someone needs to have just to get going, just to get started? Like what's the baseline equipment and do you have any recommendations? Cause a lot of people ask me, Oh, what should I use? And the only reason I use this MXL 2006 is because I used it with you and liked kind of how it sounded. And you told me it was pretty good for my vocal range. So yeah. I don't know what to tell a woman who is a soprano, what kind of microphone she should use, or if there's like a, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because you, you caught me at a time where I just finished casting a job where, you know, I did it like, like I was seeing people nationally, you know? So, um, and this would be pretty, this would be a, a an incredibly well-paying job. And, 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 uh, they're looking for something very specific. And, um, so I'm like casting off a national database and, uh, man, people just, their audio sucks, you know? <laughs> and it's like, so, and and I think people just, they don't really understand how much that impacts things down the chain because it's like, we're looking for someone who can record in their home studio. Um, so if you're sending an audition and it has like echo, you know, background noise or echo or, um, or it's distorted because your mic is too, uh, level is up too hot, or, you know, or there's tons of really bombing pee pops in it and that sort of stuff. It's just like, I'll just, it's easier to just go, nope, on to the next one. You know, listen to two seconds of it, be like, oh, geez, that audio is horrible. Boom, on to the next one. You know, that's obviously a $20 uh, Amazon mic. Nope, on to the next one. Uh, and it was interesting, you know, 
casting from a nationwide talent database and just seeing how rife the talent pool was with bad audio. It was like, you know, only one out of every 10 people had like usable audio. What I would that consider bad? It was bad, wow. yeah. I mean, I think I was I was also casting older gentlemen mm-hmm. who might not be taking the home studio thing as seriously, you know? Okay. But that whole like, you know, I get that sometimes with class. It's like, yeah, I'm old school. I didn't get your, I didn't see your email because I don't check it that often. It's like, well, if you want to be a voice actor, you got to start checking it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because right. all of our correspondence is done either via voicemail or text. We occasionally call each other, but that's very rare, you know? Um, so, so, uh, um, you know, uh, the audio quality has to be good. It has to not be echoey. And, and, and so part of what I've been faced with recently and, and, and Chris and I are actually, we're, we're, we're batting around ideas to create, to help people because we train so many people and it's like, people need help with this part. They're like, what, how do I make my audio sound good? How do I even, you know, you spend, you spend your whole life being an actor or you spend all this time learning the craft and you might even spend a lot of money on equipment. And then it's like, and then you just throw away your audition at the end because you don't, you know, and you pay to like belong to these national databases and stuff like that. And and then you just, your audio sucks. And it's like, so no one, that's why you're not booking because it's it might be. And so your audio does have to be good. And thankfully for people starting out, I mean, we are in a revolution, a renaissance of equipment. And so there is a ton of gear. It's not just voice actors or, or just musicians. I mean, it's all these content creators that are out there. So many people need quality audio from their home. So companies are racing to meet the needs. Software companies are racing to make things easier and uh, and and more powerful without having to learn the the nuts and bolts. So anyone who is looking to get into voiceover and record themselves from home and is feeling a little um, a little tentative about the home recording part, you don't have to learn everything that a, a professional sound engineer knows because you're not getting like a cello one day and having to mic up a piano the next day and then having, you know, a, a whole quartet in. It's like you, your voice, and your room. That's it. You know, and, and and so the first thing I'll say, though, is the most important thing to think of before you even talk equipment is your environment. Where are you going to where's this recording going to go down for anyone looking to get into it? That is the thing I always start with. Like, wh- where's it going to happen? Because if you don't have inherent quiet, that changes things. You know, if you don't have a way to take the echoes out from with of your voice from within a room, that's going to change what equipment we're going to even talk about. We can still work around those things, but we want to get the best environment we can, the most quiet and free of echoes, and then think about our equipment. And so it's like it's complicated and and simple in that in that area, you know, in that regard. So I see you got, you know, you sound nice and dead. Like I don't hear a lot. I don't hear echoes. You sound like you're and you're right on your mic. You know how to address your mic. You're not talking in the wrong side of it. You know, I get people who are who, they're like. <laughs> I'm like, your audio, something's wrong with your audio. Send me pictures. And they'll send me pictures. And let's say, I just have this as a paperweight, but here's the Yeti, right? Right. That was my first one. So common, this Yeti. Is it my favorite mic? No. Can you get an, a serviceable recording out of a Yeti? Of course you can. But I'll see people talking into it like this, you know? And this is a this is a side address mic. You need mm-hmm. to talk into this part, not here. 
it's 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 trying to reject any noise coming in from the top you know it's like little things like that so uh you know just having a nice sounding space and then using even if you had a cheap $50 Amazon mic if you're talking into the right part of that in a in a quiet room that's not echoey and you have your volume levels your gain level set right you'll get an okay recording you know mm-hmm. you'll get an okay recording but there's there's a for anyone starting out it's like you're going to have to invest in some sort of some sort of i would say name brand equipment not not the mono price <laughs> amazon uh you know or the i love the amazon names they have such weird names sometimes you know not the camp zune mic or whatever it is i'm just making up something but um that you know if you spend 20 dollars on a mic it's going to sound like a 20 dollar mic for sure um well, it's but there sound are like a five dollar mic if your room is echoing yeah yeah right right it's gonna sound like you added a five below and so and you're and you're still at five below <laughs> right but there are some really affordable options out there um so like there is a I, I there's a mic that's made by Sans, Samson and I, and Samson you know they make some pretty cheap gear but they also make some pretty nice gear and um, there's a mic called the Q2U it is a dynamic mic so it is not a condenser mic but the th- the advantage is it's like it has the same architecture as a stage mic it's designed to not hear the world around it nothing that's not dead in front of it you know at at close proximity so this mic is seventy bucks I think. And you and it goes USB right into the computer, or you can plug a mic cable into it if you have a preamp or an interface. And it has a headphone amp, so you can plug headphones right into the back of it, kind of like the Yeti does. It does it all, mm-hmm. and it sounds pretty dang good. If you can get, you got to get right up on that mic. You got to get close. But I mean, for people that have like a no budget thing, you know. And then if you have a low budget thing, if you have like the one to two hundred dollar, you know, range. I would highly recommend like a Focusrite kind of thing, you know, a little, a little Scarlet solo, this, this that's interface. Exa- dude, little that's, box. I have an earlier version of that I'm plugged into right now. I'm plugged into a Gen 1 Scarlet right now, a first gen. Wow. I got one yeah. that had four inputs when I started having um, multiple guests on the, my uh, old dining podcast. But I, I went back to the two input one because it just, it just works. There's like nothing wrong with it. Yeah. I know, but, I know. Dude, the and frustration for, for the, one of the things about the pandemic that's been both very good and also very bad is the ease of recording through Zoom, but also the just ubiquity of earbud quality recordings. Yeah. And I've got it's now people, okay. But, the, <laughs> but it's but not the thing okay. Is, it's not okay because I've, I've talked to people and I'm just thinking, what you're telling me is great. Your your audio quality is horrible. And what the problem with me having good audio quality is that it makes your sound even worse because of the contrast. Right. So then I will have to sometimes like I will, I mean, I, I just use GarageBand. I'll have to punch up the quality of their track to emphasize the voice and I'll EQ it to try to get it to a range that's that's approximating what I'm doing. But I mean, then you have to like the editing just becomes a real pain. I know, and the, and the editing is not good to listen to too. It hurt. It's like harsh on your ears. It's just not pleasant, you know. Yeah, I've you're been encouraging to everyone uh, yeah. to get professional microphones if if they have a podcast or if they're a frequent guest on podcasts. You don't even have to be on a podcast, but if you're in demand and people want to talk to you, you have to sound good. 
Yeah. Um, Actually, my engineer guy sent me because it's funny where where my engineer Chris is sitting. It's like he has clients that they do these Zoom like podcasts and stuff. And then they send the audio to him to make it sound better, you know. So he's actually he actually has a list he sent me of affordable uh, microphones that are just USB mics. Like there's a like Rode has one that's like a fifty dollar mic, but it's I mean it it'll it'll increase your quality tenfold from your laptop, you know, mm-hmm. just or your earbuds. Or um, AKG makes a little one too, like a little. Or or there's the the Yeti Nano, you know. It's like it's like if you the difference between you know the nano at 50 bucks and your laptop mic is going to be dramatic you know but but it's not going to be as good as if you plunk down like maybe 200 bucks get an interface and get a a, a, like a hundred dollar microphone to go with that that'll definitely help your sound another thing that i I think is really important for people to understand is you got to get yourself a nice pair of headphones uh, and not not a pair of like music headphones, a pair of studio monitor headphones, because music headphones, regular headphones, Beats, the Beats headphones, that they're all, you know, they're made to make music sound good. So they overplay the frequencies that are pleasing to our ears, the low frequencies and the very high frequencies. And they sort of downplay the harsher frequencies where studio monitors, they're designed to be accurate and give you the real picture of what's going on. And so I have people sometimes, you know, Robert, I'll get like, I'll get someone's audition and there's like the P pops are like booming. Cause I have big computer uh, or big, uh, audio monitors, you know, big speakers that, that, uh, play super low frequencies. And it's like, I hear this low rumble in the back. I hear like, you know, the bus going by the, the P pops are, are like, are like bombs dropping in them. And the first thing I'll ask them is what are you listening back to? on like what 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 speakers are you listening back to your recordings on and they'll be like oh i'm just using my laptop it's like yeah i know (laughs) i'm just pointing that out because laptop speakers don't play low frequencies you know yeah your laptop like so if you listen to if you're listening back on computer speakers or laptop speakers you're not getting a clear it's not able to represent or reproduce what you're recording, your mic might be super accurate and picking up all these low frequencies that you don't even know are in there because your playback is not telling you that, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what what headphones you got. <laughs> uh, Sony MDR. Yeah, that's what uh, I have. 7506s. Yeah, you know what's great though? Is because you told me to get these. Like I bought mostly the gear that you recommended for me. And then when I went to film school, our sound professor recommended the exact same yeah. headphones when we were doing, when we were learning sound recording. And there's something about these, he said in particular, you're going to pick up low frequencies a little bit better so you can hear wind noise yeah. if you have a shotgun mic. So when you're in the editing room, you're going to be able to hear all those things that are going to negatively affect the sound that you might not pick up on consciously. And then yes. he showed us how to kind of pull, uh, how to EQ um, popping sounds with wind noise. And I, I learned a lot about that kind of engineering stuff uh, in film school, but I was, I was thrilled to already have the headphones that uh, he recommended. Yeah, man. I mean, those are, those are used. I mean, I was, I was watching a video of like Bradley Cooper doing um, his character in, is it guardians of the galaxy or something like that? I'm sorry. He's I'm the not... raccoon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was like a, it was like a, you know, him at the mic, pretending like he's got the gun and he's like you guys and he's like drunk or something but like he has the sony's on and it's funny because they're like only a hundred bucks so they're not these high 
super high price $600 set of headphones, but they are everywhere. They're ubiquitous in studios. I mean, you know, you either get, it's either them or the, um, the Sennheiser, uh, HD two eighties, which are hanging over there. And then, or the, uh, AKG, uh, K five uh, forties or whatever. I think I got a pair of those laying around actually too. Yeah. yeah. These are my favorite. And I just replaced the little ear things. Me too. I years. just did my pads. You got to do it every like, yeah, two years. Cause they're flaking. I hate when they start flaking. You're like, ah, well, somebody on. goes, you got something on your ear. And then you're like, what? Uh, oh, oh, that's headphone <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's that time again. Yeah. Yep. I know. So, totally. So you've got, so let me just say, Please. I have a 430 coaching, private coaching. with. with gotcha. Stuff. So I'm just letting you know downfield what we're looking at. Copy. All right. I've got some questions for you then. Yeah. So we've actually answered a lot of my questions, which is great. Um, so equipment's important. We've mentioned a couple of equipment things. Um, what kind of software do you use? That's uh, great. I'm glad you asked about software. Um, and just just for the listeners... Your your microphone, your interface, if you have it or whatever, the thing the things that happen bef to your sound before it becomes ones and zeros, that it, that has the most effect on your sound. So whatever software you choose, is is more of a usability thing than anything. You know, just kind of like if I handed you a document, Robert, you wouldn't be able to tell if I used Microsoft Word or open office or um or google docs right you know it doesn't if i printed it out you'd be like yeah there's it's a document mm -hmm. i see your flyer you know but some people can fly in google docs i use word because i'm old school you know and, and so it's kind of like that sort of thing you find something that you're you you it, it's ergonomics it's ease of use works for you um a lot of people start out with audacity with because it's free but I find Audacity to be extremely clunky to get around in, man. It's yeah. slow. You have to do like three steps where I use a software called Reaper, R-E-A-P-E-R, um, -E -E like the Grim Reaper. Um, and what's great about Reaper is you can download a free, full-functioning version of it to evaluate that just totally works, you know. And uh, it is a widely used DAW. We're gonna we're gonna change the name of the software to uh, to D A W a DAW because that's what did you all it, you know it comes from the eighties when it's called a digital audio workstation but everyone just calls it a DAW in the biz you know okay. so what DAW are you using bro dude I'm using Pro Tools but you know I've been using I've been using Logic since blah 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 um so you know a lot of people use Adobe Audition if because I think they're already paying, you know, when people come in this from a creative thing and they're already doing graphic design or something or film, they already have that subscription. So mm -hmm. they they're already paying for it. And right. and Adobe Audition is a very strong, powerful DAW. It's widely used. It's pretty easy to use. Um but Reaper's great. I mean, and if you decide to buy Reaper, I think it's 70 bucks or something, 75 bucks. It's it, it and oh. it is super powerful. It'll do everything you need it to do. I just find it's easier to use. You can you can customize it. You can change the skins. You can you know you can customize the window to look the way you want. Remove things that you don't need. That sort of thing. Um, and so, but when you buy an interface, sometimes it comes with a free DAW, like a free software to record with. And and so some of them are pretty good. And and I would say try try out try that out. If you like it, great. If not, try, give Reaper a try. See how you like that. And uh, there are tons, you know, it just, 
I would use something that's not obscure because there'll be lots of tutorials because you'll need the tutorials. You'll, you'll, you'll open the thing up and some of these, some of these DAWs look like an airplane cockpit when you open it up. You're like, okay, there's a lot of stuff. I don't even know what it does, you know? And so it looks pretty intimidating, but there's, there's so much great content out on certain software on, on uh, studio ones, another one um, studio ones used a lot too. And that comes with certain interfaces I know. Um, and, and so, and with Reaper there's, there's like YouTubers that have really great content and they, 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 there's tons of tutorials. So anything you need, you'll be able to, you'll be able to find out how to, if you get stuck, you know? Okay. Uh, soundproofing. What do you recommend for the average person soundproofing? Okay. Should they be let's... buying like eggshell uh, foam and putting it on the walls and I'm glad you got you, you walked into that one because let's make a let's make a distinction between the terminology. Soundproofing or sound treatment. They are two very distinct things. And this is this is something that I'm I'm entertained with on uh, on like when I see people's reviews of certain foam on Amazon or something like that. The, because there are really two things to think about when, when you're looking to record from home. And um, soundproofing is more what we call isolation, making it quiet, getting those outside noises not to come in anymore. And then there's sound treatment. Okay, we made the inside so quiet now that the sound is bouncing all around and it sounds like crap. So there's those two pillars of it. And so for me, I'm in a basement studio. So I have two concrete walls that are isolating me incredibly because they're 10 inches thick. And then I have, and I would not recommend this to anybody. I have two double walls. So like there's a, there's five eighths drywall studs and insulation, two inches of airspace, another whole framed out wall with studs and insulation. That's not touching the other, th that wall. And then five eighths drywall on the outside, because those two walls not touching each other will allow the sound to not sound loves to transfer through things. So you could have the most, you know, solidly insulated, framed out wall, but the but the sound, a loud sound, is going to vibrate the drywall, vibrate the stud, vibrate the drywall on the inside, and come right on marching in. So gotcha. isolation is tricky. Isolation is like mass. Isolation is construction. Um, so when I'm helping people with their home studios, we start out with how like getting the most effective isolation we can with the least amount of disruption. So it's like. So maybe that room right on at the front of the house that's right on the street is not our location to record in. You know, maybe we want to go to the back of the house and look at look at options there. People always think like, I'll record in my tiny closet. Do not do that. <laughs> as, or, or I just say, do it as a last resort. Because mm -hmm. first of all, you don't want to work in a coffin. And that's what it's going to feel like. When you have a two-hour job, there's nowhere for the humidity coming out of your voice to go. Well, also being able to stand up. Right. You know, or or like move it, your it, arms when you emote, right? Ex exactly. I, yeah. Th these are things that I think about when I'm like, okay, I can sit down and do a podcast, but when I'm doing a voiceover, I have to be standing up. And you have to be moving. Yeah. I have to. Like, I, I've tried to do it sitting down and it just, it just, I can't get it. So. Uh. Yeah. And so small closet, last resort. Another thing a, a small space does is trap, like, especially a voice like yours, Robert, it will like, you have a lot of low frequencies and low frequencies have more energy to them, more sound energy. They are harder to stop. Does that egg crate foam stop the low frequencies in your voice? No, not at all. It just, your voice says, hey, how's it, how's it going? As it goes through that foam and back out. 
and reflects <laughs> back in. So what the smaller the space, the more your low frequencies will start to pull up and it'll just sound, everything you record will sound like this. All sort of boxy. You know, what we call boxy. Because the, the foam isn't going to do anything. You need mass. You need density to stop that. So like when you have a small room, you're just creating... You know, you're you're gaining isolation with a small closet, maybe, but now you're creating another problem, which is like I have I have too much sound energy in the space, and there's not enough air for it to just dissipate. You know, so a spare bedroom is always good, or or you know, I'm in the basement. We frame this room out, but some people have an extra room in their basement, and I'm like, as long as you're not right where the furnace is going to drive you nuts, you know, uh, watch your mechanicals. But so there's isolation, and it can be achieved. You know, that way, usually we we start to try to use location first and then uh, and then do the best we can there. Um, and then and, and so you, let's say we're using a back bedroom or something. Now we might get some sound blankets and put them over the windows, you know, like temporarily. They have grommets to install some hooks, hook, hook them over. Sound blanket is like a moving blanket on steroids. You know, it's, it's got density to it. And then uh, how much sound comes under the door? Those are like looking for the weak spots in there. Right. When the helicopter goes by, you're going to have to stop. It, it, we all do. We deal with that at the studio all the time. You know, Chris is right off of 76 and, and there's always helicopters going by, you know. And so every studio deals with like super loud thing. If it's thundering out. Yeah. I mean, you know, so so sound treatment, on the other hand, you know, that's the foam. That's the. That's the stopping the reflections. I have these sheets. I don't know if you can see them. Right there mm -hmm. and right back there are two 72 by 80 inch sheets of, of egg crate foam, two and a half inch egg crate foam. I have lead lined blankets that are designed for soundproofing. Cool, man. Those and are great. I don't have them up right now, but um, in my, my last apartment, I would cover the windows and then I would cover the space behind me. So it just treated the room and I already had a carpet. And I had to yep. do very Carpet's little, great. and to 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 make it sound good, it was just all right. We're good. Where'd you get those blankets? Those lead um, boy, I got them online, and they came in this giant bale. I got like four of them at once, and it was like sound. It was like homesoundstudio.com or something like that, but it was yeah, these big, thick, almost like quilt-looking blankets, and they've come in really handy, even on set when I was in film school. Like if we were having problems with sound, I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna run to my apartment grab one of these things and we're going to hang it up and on top of using sound blankets on C stands just to like deaden noise. And yeah. Yeah. Maybe even like when we're using a 16 millimeter camera, we didn't have a casing for it to, cause the sound of the actual camera running was too loud. So we put a sound blanket over that. Uh, yeah, but they're really convenient. I'd have to, I'd have to look that up for you, but yes, I have used them. I, I take them with me everywhere I go. And I love sound blankets like versus the foam in some ways, like here, I own this house. I'm here in this room. This is going to be my studio until I die or move out or whatever it is, you know. Um, and then uh, what if I died and moved out on the same day? Well, I guess if I die, I am moving out. Um, yeah. So in more this than one interview way. is over. Next <laughs> level. Um, so uh, like foam, right now I have these big things of foam. They, these those ones those big sheets they're not meant to go there they're actually i was going to do them behind me and create like a black hole for sound so that as my voice comes out at, when i'm facing camera it, right. it you know because this is where i teach um that it just 
that first point of reflection just is stopping as much sound as possible. Gotcha. But uh, right now they're propped up with like microphone stands and boom arms just pushing this blanket them. Blanket I have behind me is on two the light wall. stands because I wanted to. I wanted to make yeah. sure I wasn't getting too much ambient noise. Well, yeah. and this is so, great for people listening to this podcast who might be thinking about doing this because it's like, is it glamorous? Is it like, you know, like like those super high slick YouTubers that you see? It's like it can be, but it, it uh, ninety percent of the time with VO people, we're just like hanging up blankets. We're j we're we're getting the quilt off the bed if we need more. You know that we're in a hotel room, like you know, with with the luggage rack on top of the mic and it, and the quilt draped over. It's like it's more MacGyvered. Than you'd think out there. As long as it sounds fine, client mm -hmm. doesn't care what it looks like. They're just gonna, they just want it to sound good. And so uh, the blankets are just. If you're not sure, they're just they're non-committal. Like you hook you you know you install a couple hooks because they have grommets a lot a lot of them and it's like you just you're just hanging a blanket as opposed to gluing foam to your wall. And another thing I'll say about the foam too is in at least in my experience, the really cheap Amazon foam does next to nothing. You know uh, that's why it's cheap. You know, right. and that's why RLX is, you know, 10, 20 times the price of it because it actually does stuff, you know. So, okay. um, yeah, the, the, the more it has more density. You know, these are all RLX along here. And I have another and the ceiling. Um, and oh, I have yeah, yeah, another yeah, one of these that. just on the floor over there. You'd think I'd hang it up, but I, I took it off. It's a long story. But, um, but uh, you know, there's there's even if you bought the foam on Amazon, you'd want to pay more for it. And you're not getting ripped off. You're just getting more of a denser quality product. There's a place out in, I want to say Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is where I got this foam, the big sheets. It's called Foam Factory, I think. They're, they're, okay. Their URL is foambymail.com. And I got these two 80 by 72 inch sheets for a hundred bucks, which is a lot of coverage for a hundred bucks. It's not bad at all. And it's good stuff. It actually works, you know. And you can buy they have all types. They have like, you know, the wedge foam. They have they have one inch to like four inch wedge foam. You know, and, and like they'll have they'll have uh you know a twelve by twelves, they'll have uh twenty four by twenty fours and they even have like a twenty four by forty eight one, you know, like a longer deal in, in any in any of those they have, they have pyramid foam they have wedge they have all these different kinds it's cool and the, the stuff comes in a box that is like you're like no way it's all in there it's like it's like something out of dr seuss or something it just expand there's a there's like a warning on the box that says like take this out in the next it's something to the, akin to like take this out in the next you know 48 hours or you go, you're gonna you're gonna break it <laughs> you know the, wow. the foam is gonna be damaged it's so packed in there that you risk damaging it if you don't take it out immediately. Yeah. I actually took a time lapse of me taking it out of the box. Oh, really? The box was like was it, standing. It was, it was an know, unboxing, wasn't it? Did it yeah, go viral? The box was standing in the middle of my room there, two inches, two two feet high. And then literally, at, once I was done, my entire floor was just from here, was just covered in foam, like just going up the sides of the walls and everything. I was like, wow. <sighs> but yeah, it's a lot, I know. So it's good. It makes to just, such a difference, though. It's like you just. As soon as I started like putting up these blankets and and the other thing too is it got me used to listening to a room when I walked into it. Yeah. Which was really helpful in film school if I had to record sound for something because I walk into the room and go, where's that buzzing? Right. Coming from like what is that other sound? What is that clicking? What is that tapping? It tuned my ear to now my girlfriend gives me a hard time. She's like, How do you hear that, Robert? 
how I did know. you hear that? Because I'm always actively trying to figure out the qualities of, of the space I go into. And and that's important for people who want to record from home because when you, especially when you live in the space, our minds have sensory adaptation. It's a, it's a magical thing about our minds that we can take things that our brain eventually goes, you know what? You don't need to know that. That's always, that's constant. That's constant. So let's yeah. just, let's just push that below baseline, you know? And mm -hmm. then people take a sensitive mic and put it in the room and they go, oh God, what's that noise? Oh my God, that's my neighbor's subwoofer in, on their TV. I never heard that before, you know? It's or like, my yeah, upstairs neighbor's grow lights because they're, uh, they got an operation going on. That happened to me back in Philly. Wow. Like, what is that buzzing? Because like, new neighbors moved in and heard this buzzing sound. I'm thinking, hmm. And one day I just went up there because it was driving me crazy, this frequency. And I just knocked on the door and I said, there's a strange buzzing coming from this room. Would you know anything about that? And I'm like, no, 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 I, I don't know what you're talking about. And then it was gone. I'm like, thank you. That's not Thank the only you. buzzing that was going on up there. <laughs> Bruh. All right. So we, we are short on time, Rob. So yep. what I, I really wanted, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on is because a lot of people I can always jump me, back on at a later time too. Like if you need to tighten things up too. Okay. Happy to do so. Um, just well, know. for just for the time being, where is the, so what kind of services do you offer at Voicebox VO? Um, where should people go if they want to get into this kind of thing and they want to do a demo and like lay it on me? All right. So um, what we do at VoiceBox is it's it's crazy because like to simplify it is if you're looking to get into voice acting, we can help you just become a voice actor. And that entails a lot of different things. But we're kind of a, a one stop shop in that in that regard, whereas we take people and help them learn the craft, usually starting out with online classes. And uh, that was an amazing thing with the pandemic. It, it forced me to go to an online model. I knew the online thing existed for years and I knew there was tremendous potential, but I think part of me, you know, first of all, it's a, the true entrepreneur thing. Like, oh, my back's not far enough against a wall to move forward, you know, on, mm -hmm. on, on that. So, um, boy, did the pandemic change that. Uh, and so I also think I had doubts uh, as as to its efficacy, would an online only program create the same results? Would people be able to learn it? And so the pandemic was a blessing in disguise because it, I already had people signed up and taking an in-person class and I had to shut shut it down. So I already had an audience and I said, hey, guys, you want to try this online thing and just do it over Zoom and move forward? And they were like, yeah, yeah. And so that's what we did. And it ended up like during those beginning you know, months of the pandemic, I would be going to bed like giddy, guiltily giddy because my classes were working so well. It translated so well online. I was like, oh, my God. And then all the problems I had of like, oh, it's threatening like it's going to snow or like this person didn't can't make it to class or I'm, 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 I'm feeling a little out of the under the weather. It's like. I'll record the class for you or, you know, I'm feeling a little well under the weather. I'm just going to. I'm not going to voice anything, but I'll just sit in on the class. You know, like all those problems went away. So anyway, getting back to your question, um, you know, we have a number of different classes. I have a I have a beginner class that's six weeks, uh, um, one night a week for six weeks. And then uh, I have an advanced class. Um, and it should be noticed, too, we keep the classes really kind of small. So the beginner class is only 10 people. That's where we put the cap. And uh, the advanced class is only five people. And it's Chris and Chris and I teaching that advanced class, so it's a two on five, and uh, you know there's a couple other sort of after that 
sort of invitation only classes that we you know we might start if the person's in the area we might start bringing him into the studio to work on the mic and, and that sort of thing and and then uh you know down the road once once someone's trained to the point where I, they're ready to work then it's probably a good thing to to get a voice demo produced so we also do that and i do a lot of de demos for students because i just i know them so well you know and then i'm able to write their story in the scripts and and be able to produce that into a into something that that what your demo should do as you know it it should tell your story as a voice actor both vocally and performance wise but it also needs to connect to the current industry what's going on you know what i do I, i've been doing a bunch of you know animation character voice demos and like one of my pet peeves with character demo voices is or voice uh, demos is like um it's like people people just doing one-off lines apropos of nothing here's me in the homer simpson voice and now i'm doing the you know the blah 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 voice and right. and it's like so i'm writing like scenes in video games like store full on scenes and then only maybe eight seconds of that scene makes it into the demo but that whole story needs to be there on the on the bookends of it you know that sort of thing um and so when someone listens to someone's character demo it's not just these like not tied to the industry moments it's like there are these moments where it's you know it's it's a it, this is definitely a video game this is definitely an animation this is definitely a shooter game this is definitely one of those post-apocalyptic space station kind of deals going on, you know? This is a, a Red Dead Redemption kind of nod, you know? Those sort of things. This is an online learning for kids thing. You know, if they do, like, character voices for kids. Everything has to tie into the industry so that when a producer hears your demo, they just go, okay, cool. This all is very familiar territory with me, and this person sounds great in that territory. That sort of thing. Okay. And and it's really awesome to do. It's like an honor to get to do those things. For sure. No, I, I I think about Voicebox VO and how much you taught me all the time because it relates to so much of what I do that has nothing to do with voiceover right now. So, I, I mean, it's great to talk to you. And thank you once again for everything that you've done with Voicebox VO because I got in there at right this incredibly formative time and it just really opened up my perspective to the whole world of media performance art and um yeah I'm, I'm gonna take those lessons with me uh for a very long time that is so cool to hear man and and your story is cool i mean I, i'm glad you got into into film and, and like that's one of the things i i've loved with a lot of my students is these this path it leads where it leads and so it's just sometimes my when people come and start learning the voice craft with us it's like it's just the beginning of this long creative path for them that twists and turns and has you know these many these many amazing discoveries along the way to be to have a hand in that is just incredible it's just an honor that i do this for a living and can you know um but yeah it's, you do you do have such a great voice that <laughs> even even with not hearing you for this many years and being just doing nothing but voiceover all day every day as soon as i hear your voice i'm like oh yeah man that's great that's okay I got, I got one more question for you how's my philly accent i mean i hear it a little in some of the o sounds just a little bit but by and large not a factor okay so it's improved <laughs> yes yes it has 
I went, I did, I did private lessons with Neil, Neil Hartley, just to diagram the sounds because I was so frustrated. See that? Oh, no, that's uh, with, good. So frustrated, nice and round. Yes. And then so, I was so frustrated. My uh, girlfriend is a dialect coach and uh, also twist. an actress and um, many other things with theater, but she watched mayor of Easttown and just said, Robert, this is your family. They sound like your fan. We have to watch it. So I watched the whole miniseries Mayor of Easttown and went. People yep. are a little heavy handed in that, though. Not Some everyone it... in this area talks like that. My God. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's that's very true. But, it but was... Murder Dirter was fun. <laughs> that was hilarious. But just the the, the water. I, I had to train and it, I trained myself. I practiced getting out of the Philly accent, waiting tables. I would only recommend food that had an O sound in it. So I would like, I'd say, oh, would you like the lamb shank Provencal? And I would just continue repeating those yeah, sounds yeah. over and over again to try to break the accent. Would and, you uh, care for a hoagie and a Coke? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and a glass of water. A no, a glass of ice water. Ice water, yes. No, no, I want a hoagie, a Coke, and a, gla a glass of ice water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, Rob, thanks again. I know you got to get going, but um, yeah, let's stay in touch because this, this is, I want, I want as many people to go to Voicebox as possible to learn from you and your team and anyone who's interested in this kind of stuff. It's just, you're a fountain of wisdom and it's great thanks to see you still me, chugging man. ahead, man. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be, be part of your, your thing for sure. And, uh, and you know, I'm just, I'm right here. So if you need anything, if anything comes up wacky voice wise too, you know, I'm always a resource for my students. So, thank you. It's. I think I actually do want to do another narration demo with all the you know things I've learned in the last eight years to really kind of get. It'll that be going an entirely again. different thing for you. Oh, like, I'm sure. Like, like when you. That's see why I want to got, work with you yeah. because you you've worked with me before and you can actually see how much I've changed. So when you see what we got going on too, Chris is a great guy to know too in this business. I mean, he's he's he has. He does all my stuff, but he also, you know, is an independent contractor and, and has a bunch of clients that aren't my clients, you know, too. And and uh, but I mean, we can put you on a twenty five thousand dollars signal chain, you know, from the from the mic all the way to the computer, you know, and it's like that nice makes it sound like for a voice like yours. It just for anybody's voice, but like especially like a voice that's pleasant just in the open air. The, the more you the more expensive the gear is the, it's just the more accurate it is mm -hmm. so we're just getting all of that goodness in um but we do fun stuff i mean i never stay on the same mic and preamp combo for for any two consecutive reads i'm always changing the the either the preamp or the microphone yeah you so use three different mics for my for my demos yeah yeah if right. I remember correctly yeah. i'm still doing well now like chris has just all of these amazing pre's, man. He's got needs. He's got APIs. He's got a bunch of modern pre's, you know, the, the Apogees and the the Day King. He's got so many great pre's um, that it's like a shame not to use them all. But it's just giving slightly different production contexts to your different reads, so it just doesn't sound like the same mic, same pre, same EQ settings. Oh, I know what this is—a demo. It's like no, we want these to sound like real projects that mm -hmm. you you put to, you mix together to make your thing, you know, and, and it's like, you know, having done it once, I, 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 if you, if you end up coming back and doing another one, I can't wait for you to see what we got going, man. Uh, it's yeah, like, no, it's, it's freaking, it's so fun. Count man. on me coming in within the next year. 
Awesome. Let's just say that, okay? Well, that that fills me with joy, good sir. <laughs> Thanks again, Rob. This has been really good. Yeah, I can't wait to see what other beard product you do next. Okay. <laughs> I'll definitely let you know. Yeah, yeah, right on. Cool, All man. Right. Thanks so much. Reach out if you need anything, though. And if you need me to, like, if you find, like, hey, I need to expand, I need to just jump on with you for five minutes and, like, re-record something or record an additional thing, I'm happy to do so. Okay. So. Thank you so yeah, much. Dude. Thanks, man. Right. Until next oh, wait. time, Rob. I'm on your Zoom. Yes. Oh, because I'm like, why aren't my students coming in? Because I see them in the waiting room, but they're, they're I see the emails, but I'm like, oh, oh, I'm on your Zoom. I forget. I do so much Zooming. I don't know whether who's I'm on at this point, you know. It's okay. okay. All Go right, brother. It. Have a great rest of your day. Get outside now. All right. You take care, Rob. Freaking beautiful. All right. See ya. Man, talking to Rob made me really want to get back in a professional recording studio. Uh, you can find all the information you need at voiceboxvo.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Robert Kathern, on Facebook at Robert Kathern. Uh, I am available for all of your voiceover needs worldwide, nationwide, wherever. I'm also available for photography and videography if you live in the Philadelphia area. I'm also willing to travel if need be. I also like to thank Peter Velarde for the music. Uh, Peter is a composer who lives in Columbus, Ohio. Find him. He's also known as MC Freeman on Bandcamp. Fantastic composer and collaborator. Check him out. Until next time, this has been a Toy Sword Media production.